Hi, and welcome back to the Turning 30 podcast, a place where we talk about what it's really like to turn 30. I'm your host, life coach, Emma Wilson, and I'm here to help you feel better, be more confident, and get unstuck at 30. I'm really excited to introduce to you this week's guest, Mena Emu, to talk about turning 30 and being a late bloomer. Mena is a storyteller, entrepreneur, and mental health activist. She's the founder of The Late Bloomers, a global platform for millennials to help navigate the complexities of adulting in the 21st century. What began as a personal pain point of rejection and racism in the UK has transformed into a global community, both on and offline, that she has built through coaching, sharing content and hosting events. Mena and I have such a shared mission and I'm so pleased that she's accepted my invitation to talk about all things turning 30. Hi, Mena, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Emma. Thank you so much for coming on. And we were just chatting before about how I interviewed a few weeks ago Tiwa for the confidence episode, and she recommended that we had to talk because apparently we have a, a shared mission. Yeah, all things turning thirty and millennials. So I'm really excited to to learn more about you. So can you tell us a little bit about? how you got into your platform and what led you to start Late Bloomers. So hi everyone who's listening. (laughs) Um, What led me to start the Late Bloomers? It's kind of a loaded question but I guess you want the real and like raw candid answer to it right? So um, right always real and raw that's how we roll on this podcast. (laughs) Essentially I was super depressed. I was in and like quite a big bout of depression. It was probably, when I talk about my bouts of depression, the first one started after university when I graduated with a 2-2 and I couldn't find a job anywhere in London. Like literally, you know how you graduate and it's like the requirements are like 2-1 and above. And so that was really difficult for me to try and get into what I wanted to actually do in London. And so I ended up at the age of 26, I think, like after doing a master's and everything, I still couldn't find a job. It was really, really difficult. And I ended packing my stuff and moving to Lagos, Nigeria. And so I was, I lived there for four years. I only just moved back to London this year. Just it was very new and different, big culture shock because I'm actually like my parents are Nigerian and Trinidadian, but I was born and raised in London. So this is all I've known. And so I just decided to try something new to go out there. And I got a job working at an advertising agency, which was really great because advertising is what I thought I wanted to get into. And then I realized after doing it in Nigeria for a year that I didn't actually enjoy it that much. (laughs) And it was always the way. Yeah, it was just, um, I don't know. I think advertising in Nigeria is definitely different to here. You can't be as creative and stuff. And I just wasn't really feeling fulfilled. And my parents and kind of my family, we have a business out in Lagos. And so whilst I was there, I was really kind of keeping my eye on the business and ended up just going into that full time, which was great. There was one summer, I remember I had finished youth service, which is this community service thing that you have to do for a year in Nigeria before you can work anywhere. And you literally get paid like hardly anything, like a hundred pounds a month. It's like really rough. But um, 
because I had the business, it was making more money. And I decided to just throw myself into that full time. But there was a summer that my cousin in London, he fell very sick with a terminal cancer. And so I decided to just move home because I wanted to just be closer to him. And in moving back home, it was tough because I came home to like no job again, nothing. It, it was like coming back to the place that rejected you. And, and on top of that, I was dealing with like grief of losing my cousin. Like he was really quite sick and deteriorating quite fast. And there was one night where I was just really depressed and low that summer. And I remember crying in my bed watching Netflix. And I tell this story all the time because I guess it's relatable. It's like we've watched yeah. like Netflix. Yeah, crying, <laughs> Netflix this year. That's been like most of our 2020, right? <laughs> and um, I'm a Christian. And so I felt that a spiritual encounter happened in that moment where I just cried. And I was just like, what is the meaning of my life? Like I'm 27 and I don't have my shit together. Like everything just seems up in the air. In that moment, God really spoke to me and he said, you're a late bloomer just because it hasn't happened for you now doesn't mean it's never going to happen. Because I would just look around and like scroll as you do on Instagram, Facebook, you're seeing everyone getting married, buying their first house, you know, everything just seems glitz and glamour and everyone's showing their highlights. But behind the scenes, we're all dealing with this stuff, right, that nobody's talking about. So I felt like I had nowhere to go with my grief nowhere to go with my disappointment, my failures, my pain, and everything online just didn't accommodate that. And so I decided, you know what, I want to start speaking about this. And so in speaking about in speaking about it, I kind of wrote a couple of stories about how I felt. I didn't know I had a thing for writing at the time, but it was kind of like blog posts. And I remember that night after watching Netflix and having that epiphany, I called my sister the next day and she's like some high-flying business exec, works at an investment bank. She does really, really well. And I called her the next day and I was just like, oh, um, comment, like I'm thinking I want to start something. I don't know what exactly, but I know what I want to call it. And it was called The Late Bloomers. And so I registered the website and decided to just share my truth. And in sharing it, I kind of spread out the message to, I guess, Facebook friends, Instagram friends, like, hey, guys, like, this is my story. My Instagram's a lie. <laughs> Literally, that was one of my first stories. <laughs> and I'm super, like, depressed. And um, nobody's really talking about it. So this is a space I want to create for people to come with their different stories about, I guess, how they're blooming and their bloom journey. And so people resonated with it and were like this is a really cool concept and yeah I have a story I want to share and I started taking submissions of different people's stories going out on the streets I remember walking around Shoreditch the middle of winter once it was super cold I like dragged my brother to help me take pictures because I realized that on top of that people wanted to see visual they didn't just want to read and so um it was almost like a humans of New York type vibe where I would go and like interview complete strangers on the street and they'd be looking at me like this girl with an afro, she's crazy. She's like, no, tell me about your failures. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and um, that's essentially how the platform started. It was just collecting different people's stories 
and sharing it on the platform and then from there people decided that oh like it would be great if we could all meet up in person and then we did some offline events for the community which were great I did one in Lagos and one in Ni- and one in London as well which was all but obviously Covid happened so you know it's had to <laughs> mean that everything goes back online but essentially that's how the platform started it was really from a place of pain I discovered my purpose And yeah, it is a platform for millennials where we share our true stories about navigating the complexities of adulting and just, you know, where everyone can just be real. Yeah, wow. I mean, just love it. It obviously is. Tiwa was right because it's such our shared mission because, you know, obviously I'm a coach and I'm really focused on helping people who feel that they're a late bloomer or feel that left behind, that they're not the only one, you're not alone. And I love the fact that you've built this community to make other people realize that they, it's not just them. And I always say that I find this a lot, you know, with all my clients is that they exist in these like groups of friends and family where they're the only one who's a late bloomer. They're the only one who feels left behind because all of their friends like you said are doing all the things but there's so many of them and everyone's spread out in these different friendship groups and I'm always like I just want you all to meet and be together and and realize that there's so many people who feel this way and you know we can say lots of negative things about social media about comparison and you know how it's very triggering to look at everyone doing all the things but the amazing part of it is this is the fact that we get to build communities and make connections with people uh so it's amazing that we get to use for example instagram and blogging and everything to meet those people and really special story about how you had that epiphany and i think as well you know sometimes we need to get to like an all-time low to then keep going up and to keep you know understanding what it is we're meant to do so just love your story. I think it's amazing. So can you tell me maybe a couple of different stories of people who use the the platform of being a late bloomer or maybe even a late bloomer story for yourself? Oh, I could tell both, I guess. <laughs> you could tell lots of stories. Um, yeah, a lot of stories. Gosh, I'm trying to think back because it kind of has developed now to the point where we were blogging so much and I realised that not many people read. <laughs> so, so we took it to <laughs> podcasting as well. So we have a podcast that I launched earlier this year where I've been collecting a number of different stories of how people are navigating adulting and adulthood. We had someone come come on talk, and talk about how, um, you know, they're dealing with, I guess, depression and how they get through that had another person, lots of entrepreneurs, I guess, because I think some of their struggles are quite intense a lot of the time, because I guess there's a risk when you're an entrepreneur that you're stepping out alone. We had someone, the the most recent episode actually was a fashion photographer where he came to come and share like his story of how he, he has navigated that path, which was super interesting. And we had somebody who was actually born from rape like her her mum was actually raped and had her which was such an interesting and such a like heart a bittersweet story because she's doing so well now so successful like literally and things are really happening for her but 
nobody knew the backstory. Nobody knew the behind the scenes. So it's sometimes getting that context that mm-hmm. enables us to really have those moments of breakthrough where we're able to be super vulnerable with each other and be like, look, this is where I'm coming from. What you, yeah. what you might see online is different to if you sit down and have a conversation with me to get to really understand this is my life story. This is like the trauma that I carry. These are the failures I carry because all of those things make us who we are. And I think it it makes such a powerful story as well. And so I really try to encourage whoever comes on the platform to really just be naked and bare and open up in ways in which we're not seeing in today's media and society. You know, you talk about Instagram and social media being like a, a great bridge to connect people. But at the same time, there is this facade and this performative kind of nature that we put on on social media subconsciously I think I, I, I think I'm even guilty of it at times where you know it's hard for us to get to places where we're able to be vulnerable online and just able to really share but that's where I feel like there are so many golden gems and nuggets that people can learn from particularly in a time like this year you know where everyone's kind of struggling and and, and trying to figure it out those are some of the stories that happen on the platform. My own personal story, and we spoke about this before we started um, recording, is that I picked up modeling this year, which is something that I never did. For the longest time, people were saying, oh, you should do it, you should do it. And I kind of put it off for ages and wasn't interested. And this year, a door opened and I was like, okay, let me just go through the door. Let, like, let's just leap take the leap, you know, and so many different things have have come of it. And I think it's so weird because I turned 30 this year and there's always like that daunting feeling you feel when you turn 30, right? And obviously, you know, turning 30 coach. (laughs) Yeah, um, (laughs) I do. I have some experience with it. (laughs) I guess like crazy anxiety. I did get that feeling and it was weird kind of after turning 30 that I started doing this modeling thing so we'll see how it goes it's very new territory and yeah that's my late bloomer story I guess (laughs) I love it I love the story and can I ask is the reason that you hadn't done it up until you were 30 because you thought that you were too old was that limiting belief that you had when it was presented to you definitely yeah I think so and I think it's also these expectations I put on myself and it's so funny how we do that subconsciously a lot of the time, like put these expectations of who I'm meant to be. I kind of labeled myself and boxed myself in when when I realized that actually there are so many different ways you can spread your light in the world. You can do different things. There are different avenues to take. And I guess for me, I thought, well, you know, people look at models and they might think, oh, like they don't know anything or all they all they are is like a pretty face or they're just and I didn't want to, anyone to ever have that opinion of me because there is so much that I kind of worked up to become in terms of studying really hard and getting my degrees and trying out different industries in terms of work and I guess for me for the longest time I kind of boxed myself in and had this rigid kind of understanding of who I was and this year just really opened my eyes to see that actually better to kind of go where the wind blows you and where your intuition kind of opens doors and stuff because you actually just never know 
like what could be on the other side of that opportunity and so I've just taken it and run with it really I'm just trying out something new we'll see how it goes yeah and I love the fact that you admitted that before it was in a way caring what other people thought because also you it was based that was based on what you thought about the industry about modeling so I think 2020 just made us all just look at the world differently and you know even though it's been such a an awful year and devastating year for so many of us I've really found that there has been positive effects for a lot of people of finally exactly yeah, what's happened to you just having fresh starts or trying new projects doing things connecting with people online being more authentic all of the things are actually happening because of this year and we can't really overlook that because you know maybe in a few years you'll look back and you know you'll be like wow I almost didn't do that but I did it because 2020 happened and I was back in London and wow it all sounds really exciting yeah it is it's, it's really exciting and just different and I, I feel like it really fits into the narrative of, of what the platform that I'm trying to create, this platform that there there is no timeline for anything in life, you know, like you can try everything. Like there are so many different avenues and possibilities. And yeah, I'm kind of like living, living in that now with all of the different things that are happening for me. But honestly, like, if you read loads of different people's stories, Oprah's story, Leonardo DiCaprio, so so many of these like famous people that we kind of look up to and we think, wow, like they have it easy. Listen to their stories of how they started out and how many years it's taken them to kind of get to where they're where they're at and the consistency and the persistence and just the general kind of ways in which these stories encourage us to just live our dreams and so I think it's really important to get that context yeah I think as well so many people and I experienced this with a lot of clients who spent their 20s doing a job they didn't like or not finding a job that really stuck you know there's I guess there's two two different uh, categories in general and I often get met with the with the belief like I'm too old to have a career change in my 30s I'm too old and I always just like you said go and look at some role models some famous people's stories and hear what age they started you know it's like so many people start things later on in life they you know not even just in their 30s like in their 40s and their 50s published authors sometimes didn't have their first books published I I kind of want to give examples but I'm nervous I'm gonna I'm gonna get some like facts wrong and give uh, some celebrity like incorrect incorrect dates but I think she was like 30 I can't remember she was in her 30s but she was 29 and like broke and on benefits and stuff like she didn't have anything and she had kids she's one of like she's one of the examples that's often given when it comes to like blooming late I guess but I guess what is what is the definition of like blooming late what do you think about it the definition of blooming late for me is somebody who I guess wow it's so hard to like I'm trying to get away from my like specifically turning 30 definition I guess it's, if you're a late bloomer, it's just somebody who didn't do things at the same time as everybody else and just did it on your own path and on your own timeline and when it felt right for you. And I think it's funny, isn't it? Because so many of us, like, what does it mean late? 
just because I found the job that I want to do when I'm 30, does that mean I was late or was I just on time for what was right for me? You just don't know. But obviously, it's just a saying, right? Like, we don't need to get too deep into the expression because it is just a saying. But it always just, yeah, makes me kind of feel uncomfortable that people get to their 30s and then they wouldn't make a change because of they're scared of what might happen if you know they've got to 32 and then they didn't like their job and I'm living proof I'm 33 and I've just this year my coaching has become my full-time career and before then I really did pivot all the time into lots of different things and I guess it did take a lot of mindset work to become okay with that especially when obviously you know you see all your friends like doing all this stuff and really going up in their careers and having managerial positions and seeing things on LinkedIn but I guess inside I always knew and I always thought I'll find it when it's supposed to happen and just to keep going and that's why whenever I meet people who say oh I'm too late I'm too old I'm like well you're not you're really not you're never too old to start something new yeah you're just on time and and plus a late start is better than no start at all that's one of my favorite mottos and like sayings because like you can't just sit on something for ages like what do you have to lose stepping out and I think that's something that I always encourage people on the platform and I guess people around me to really just go for it to give it a try because you just never know and so yeah life is full of its ups and downs but I think everyone's here for a reason for and for a god-given purpose and you have to just walk in your truth whatever that looks like for you and it might not look like and probably even more than 80% or 85% of the time it's never like those around you we're kind of living in this world and we're forced to be we're socialized into these ideals of what normal actually is but what is it really yeah exactly like we're socialized and I think also it comes from when we're in high school for example until we're in our like mid 20s let's say everything's like written for us you know school high school and then you maybe have a gap year or you go straight to university and then you finish university and you'll get your first job and then maybe you'll go traveling I don't know like it's like very for me it was very like these five years and then these two years and then these three years and then you do the master's you know it was very much like always going on to the next thing and if I was talking to a friend about it actually last night and we were saying it's like a video game like you're just going to the next level of the video game and then you'll see what happens and then all of a sudden you get to like 24 25 and the video games kind of life (laughs) be an adult go and just like go on to the final level which isn't obviously the final level but just go out and then all of a sudden you're like okay but I need structure I need to know what's gonna happen and then like what happened to you if you don't get the dream job or you know you decide to move country or do something different then all your friends carry on doing the things they're supposed to do that's when you like panic because then you get to your late 20s and you're like hold on what next what now and there's no one telling you what to do and giving you the grades and giving you the validation and that's where I think my business is born from people who really get to their late 20s and they're kind of like shit what now you know (laughs) what next it it is a really daunting feeling I feel like it is quite and it was hard for me I feel like if I didn't have the late bloomers I don't know where I'd be like I don't really know because for me it almost became like a lifeline it became a project I could literally throw my everything into 
and know that I was doing something that was having an impact or doing something that I felt was worthwhile and worth my time, was worth the sleepless nights. It's been worth all of that for me because I've been able to share my experiences and get people to open up and share theirs too in a way that's really authentic and, and just real. You know, we have conversations like this all the time. It's like you get to your late 20s and it's kind of just like, okay, you're looking around twiddling your thumbs about the next move because what's been normalized is I know particularly like African culture, for instance, and living in Nigeria definitely showed me this. What was normalized is at my age, I was in a relationship for a while, like maybe two and a half years whilst I was out there. And it was just like, we're ready for you guys to get married. Like there's no, like, like, what? like you need to be getting married yeah. and you need to yeah. be having kids and you need to be, and it's like, who's setting all these, parameters for what life is meant to look like for people yeah because it's so cultural it's so connected to religion as well like it really is and you know what I'm I'm also speak very openly I'm from a Jewish I'm Jewish and I'm also from a very a close secular Jewish community where it's very expected that by 25 26 you are going to go and marry your boyfriend who you've met in the Jewish community and it's almost like to be single at 33 is like oh my god you know will she ever settle down and I'm very aware of that something that I've really come to realize in the past few months is how much our culture and our religions have an impact on us because I just was reviewing honestly just before this podcast reviewing my client list and I realized that like 75% of my clients are from a minority background and from a religious background, from something that me- means that they had that external pressure from their parents or their wider family. And I, or I also noticed that I've also recently been signing clients who are expats, so who have moved country. And I think it's two things. It's the firstly, the, the this minority feeling of in the minority cultures, often it, there's religion attached and cultural pressures that mean even if you're secular, like like we are, you know, even if you're secular, you still have that expectation that they put on you to tick the box by a certain time. And if you go against that, it's almost like, huh? you know, you're not supposed to because you've been brought up in this way and you exist in a community. And the expat thing, which also you'll relate to, is that when you move country and go and live somewhere else, you like lose a few years. If you then come back, it's like, do you know what I mean? You actually, I say lose a few years. In a way, I feel like I gained a few years. When I moved to Tel Aviv, it was almost like I moved when I was 27, but I went back to being 23 again because it was like a different, I was outside of my community and I was in a, a very different city. And then now that's why I feel like even though I'm 33, I'm living the life of someone who was maybe five years younger. Um, so I think that's really showing with my clients who I'm attracting because they also feel like that. It's this kind of the cultural pressure and doing things differently or being from a different background and then 30 comes and it's like, yeah, it just feels harder. It's hard for everyone, but I think that adds like an extra layer. For sure, it really does. And I I can definitely relate to what you mean by like moving country. Because when I came back home to London, it was like the middle of the pandemic, almost like I had to get a rescue flight back. It was crazy. Like literally it was like, almost like it was like the world was ending. It felt like a wartime. And I remember getting on the plane and thinking, right, I'm going back home, not really knowing how long I would go back for. Like, all my stuff is actually still in Lagos, which is crazy. Coming back and, like, coming back to my childhood bedroom, and it was like, oh, 
<laughs> we're really we're really back here now <laughs> so I get that feeling of feeling like you're going back in time almost but the yeah. growth that I feel now is completely different like my mindset is different I feel like a completely different woman because of the experience I had moving away from home that allows you to like spread your wings to grow a bit and you become really kind of settled in your identity a bit more in terms of who you are outside of your community outside of what your family's expectations are and stuff. It's like, I formed that for myself a bit more. It was hard still because I, I actually lived with an aunt in Lagos because it's not really safe as a young woman to kind of live alone. So I lived with an aunt out there, but she still kind of like, I had my own freedom. I had I had a car. I was able to like go out and do all the things. Like I had a boyfriend or oh, that was really like, <laughs> you know, you really feel big and grown. And I did feel that. And then coming back to London, it was like, oh, I feel like I'm going back in time a bit. It's weird. Like sleeping in my my childhood bed, looking around is like... Yeah. Whenever I go back to visit family in Manchester, I always regress. I'm like, I've moved country. I'm just a different person now. I've really changed. I've worked on myself tirelessly for the past few years. You know, I'm definitely in this like mature woman. And then I go home and I'm like this like old school teenager like go back to like Emma from like 2006 and I'm like I swear I've changed and my parents are like yeah sure <laughs> it's quite fun of it it's funny um <laughs> yeah so since you've been speaking open so openly online about mental health how how has that been received by other people you know what Emma it's funny that you ask this question and nobody's ever asked it before I don't care. Look how it's received. <laughs> Good answer. I love that. It's really weird because when I was talking about it, I first, I remember posting a blog. It was a story that I posted first, kind of opening up and coming out about my, it felt like coming out about my depression. It was like, oh, because nobody was really talking about this like three years ago. It's become the norm for people to add it to how they talk now, which I love. We need to normalize talking about mental health the same way we talk about going to the gym and fitness. For me, I see both as the same. Yeah, when I first did it, it was a bit like, oh, scary. But I knew that in doing it, my mission is bigger than me. So it's bigger than how I fit, how I felt doing it in the moment. Like you can feel vulnerable, you can be na- you can feel naked, but at the same time, I felt like in me coming out to share my story, I was able to liberate others who might feel that they they can't share in the same way. And so, yeah, how it was received, it, I don't know, it got mixed views. Some people would come up to me in private and be like, oh, like I saw what you wrote, like I really, I, I, I relate to it or it resonates with me. But yeah, how it's been received has just been varied, no, nothing negative. But even if it was negative, I don't feel like anybody would have the guts to tell me because everyone else would look at you like, why are you being a bully? (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I think so many people get nervous to be vulnerable online, Uh, you know, get nervous about being so authentic. But then really, 99% of the time, people either say, wow, that's amazing. And then they resonate and share their story, like you said, or they just don't say anything and they just digest it. Um, and maybe 1% of time there's going to be somebody who trolls or has something negative to say. And like you said, when the mission's bigger, 
who cares? Really, who cares? It's not for them, then. If if it doesn't resonate for you, keep scrolling. Yeah, exactly. But I think what's funny is you can say that so confidently and I can say that so confidently. Having shared my story online, you've shared your story, you've done it. But I think when you're on the other side of it, like before you shared it, it is nerve-wracking to do it. Like you said, you had to come out. You had to... You know, you mentioned like, my Instagram's a lie. I love that. You're like, it's not real. Because so many people are living not real Instagram lives, but they never come out and just say it because it's so daunting. It's so scary to think what people will think. But I think we're both on the other side of that, of the of the fence, you know? It's like kind of, you've got to climb over, jump up. And then once you're on the other side, I'm exactly in the same school of thought as you. I'm like, it's, you know, either take me or leave me and follow me if you've got a problem. <laughs> It's so funny that you actually, um, you mentioned that the the other side thing, because I had to just sit and think for a second, what was it like before I shared? And I'm thinking back to the day that I did. And I actually remember I cried that day, really like floods of tears. Like I remember sharing my story about my depression, clicking the share button and just bursting into tears and I cried. Because it's overwhelming. It's so overwhelming to do that. It's out there now. It's out there. So So it's like ripping a a plaster off. And also, you know, I remember I went through my breakup this year and I was really nervous to speak about it online for a few different reasons. Obviously, I've got friends and family there and not everybody knew. And also, being authentic and just sharing your story is just never easy. But once you do it, like literally ripping the plaster off, once I did it, I had so many amazing messages from people who were so supportive or who said, and you know, I've been through exactly the same thing and like your story means a lot to me. And I think as soon as you get that feedback to reinforce that authenticity, it just makes it all so worthwhile. Like when I post my most authentic content, that's when I have the highest engagement. That's when I feel the most connected to my community because you need to be authentic online to to create authentic connections 100%. For real, like I definitely agree with you on that. It it doesn't take away from how hard it can be at times. And that's why I kind of shared about crying before because that's the reality of it. You do something scary and daunting, the fear can overtake you for a second, but the liberation that you feel after that fear, after stepping out and and just claiming your truth that's priceless to me like it's like yeah it just feels like yeah people people need this particularly this year this year has been tough on so many different levels like and I think in terms of like looking around and seeing what my community has had to deal with the struggles has just been a lot it's been a lot to handle even as somebody who's meant to like lead the community because it feels like at the same time when when can where do I go to be like upset about what's happening to be emotional and so I think it's weird when you're like in this space of like helping others where do you find time to help yourself and that's like I guess a question that you can relate to as well being a coach you know my parents are both coaches So I grew up in a household where literally it was like, I'd be at the dinner table. Tell me how you, how you feel. (laughs) And how does that make you feel? It's like, so I grew up always able to express myself, 
because that's how they are and that and I'm actually thankful for that because it's really helped me in terms of the work that I do now kind of have that that space of empathy for other people but sometimes yeah. when you overly think these things it's a lot <laughs> yeah it's a lot right it is a lot it's funny that you asked me that question actually like how do you take care of yourself when you are you know when obviously like I've got to lead my community but the answer is is that I'm authentic so when I'm having a bad time or when I'm having something I do share it maybe not straight away in the second that it happens obviously there has to be some sort of boundary between life and work and sharing on Instagram of course but when I have bad times or something happens I'm not feeling 100% yeah I share my story and I connect with people and yeah it was hard like we broke up and then I waited about five or six weeks to actually share it it was a long relationship and we lived together and there was a lot lot of logistics to take care of but I was being distant on my Instagram and I just thought and it happened in the same week basically that I decided to go full-time so it wasn't really like a negotiation it wasn't like oh I can just leave this now for a few months it was like I, I really want I was really into building the building my uh, community so it was difficult but actually it was only difficult like you said getting over the fence like pressing that send as soon as I did it and I received such nice messages and you know, it sounds really cliche, but it's like, I knew when I was going through it, that this story was going to make me like it was supposed to be happening for my business, like for my clients, they are inspired by me, the fact that I'm 33 and single, and I get to be a better coach now, because of the fact that that happened. So it will like it happened to you, right? Like you had this low point, and you had to get through that to then become what you, you are now in terms of this community leader and having this amazing group of people and if you wouldn't have had that you wouldn't have what you have now and I really feel like that with my life with my turning 30 crisis that I had when I was 29 with all the jobs that I've applied for and didn't get with all the relationships that haven't worked out like it's all built up to to fitting in my life and actually funnily enough just to quickly go back to the question you asked me about what do you do when you're like having a bad like a bad time or something I've started in the past few weeks to really be inspired by my clients. So sometimes I'm like, I had like a week, a few weeks ago where I hadn't done any journaling and I hadn't looked after myself. And like, then I get on the, my client calls and they're like, so I did this and I did this. And I'm like, no, I am like, do it. I'm not, if the tables are turned. My clients are going to inspire me. So it turned around and it makes me much easier to take my own advice when I see other people taking it. And I'm like, oh, right. Yeah, I taught you that. So I should probably do it myself it might work <laughs> so yeah that's been interesting as well to see that that's so good and I definitely can relate to everything that you've said and all of these low points definitely do make us and I feel like you have to kind of it's it's hindsight right because in the moment that you're low it's like tough I remember dealing with my heartbreak which I'm still probably dealing with if I'm gonna keep it 100% real like it takes a while to get over but I remember I was in New York last summer when when it happened and I just kind of it's like you grow into a different version of you again so I felt like oh, okay this is like another layer of mena that I'm getting to uncover and understand and so each like low point brings strips away another layer of you where you're able to uncover so many things about what you've learned whether it was through the relationship 
through the difficult time, through the failure. And so I completely resonate with everything that you're saying. Yeah, I completely agree about the finding another layer of yourself and just like growing into the new version of you. And I think for anybody who is listening, who is going through a tough time, it is exactly like you said, really hard when you're in it to see the wood through the trees and to know that it's going to get better. But it just does. Like that's life. It just carries on. And if you can actually in that moment start to implement things to help you such as taking care of yourself more and doing things like you know everyone has their different tactics and my followers will know I'm obsessed with journaling but you know writing as well (laughs) (laughs) obsessed obsessed but you know if everyone has different things that are their techniques to take care of themselves but if you just start focusing on just the short-term mini goals of doing little things every day eventually you do come on the other side of it um and I have a bit of a problem with the whole like time is a healer thing because I do think time is a healer like I do think just gradually over time things change but I think it's way more than time I think it's also just decision like a decision to say I'm ready yeah and it's also doing the work I feel like sometimes people you can take the time and I've, I've done this before. I'm just like, okay, you know what? When time passes, I'm going to come out. I'm going to be the baddest bee. <laughs> like literally, I'm gonna... And it's like, no, men are actually, you're not going to be that if you don't actively work on it. If you don't actively say during this time, this is what I want to accomplish. This is what I want to take place. And so sometimes people leave that time and what it does, it just gives more time for you to become bitter. Actually, it could like, like, and you could end up building more resentment towards different things just because you haven't dealt with what you need to deal with. So it's time and it's also work. Yeah. Oh, wow. I could not agree more. And, you know, we've all got a friend or maybe it's even yourself who hasn't dealt with the issues. For example, I know we'll be specific here of talking about breakups, but it's really easy to just think that time will heal it and just play that kind of well I'm just going to sit around and passively wait for time to be a healer but no it just doesn't work like that and I actually think that's the difference between men and women this is very very generalizing but women are just historically better at doing the work and dealing with the grief at the start of a breakup so that the first month or two or three is like awful and then they actually you know move to the next place and then they get much better and they deal with their shit and then men again generalizing but usually don't deal with it and they just sit on it and they go out and potentially do things they shouldn't straight away and then they come back and they're like after three months they're like oh no I've like sat on all these emotions so um whenever I'm have a client or just anyone I know going through a breakup I'm always like when they're devastated and they're in the grief I'm like good be in the grief like do it like be in this terrible time because you need to go through this to to get to the other side I agree with that. But breakups suck, but it doesn't take away from the fact they really do yeah. suck. <laughs> the worst thing ever. No much a breakup in anyone. This is what I mean. There's no adulting guide. It's like you graduate and you think, oh, the world is your oyster. And then the world really shows you who the oyster is. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so true. Like, I think that it's, I think people speak about this now in terms of trying to revolutionize. Uh, education because it's like we're not taught to do our taxes or you know anything about mental health really in school in high school but we're taught like algebra and trigonometry and stuff and I'm like such an advocate for 
educating young adults really like I know I spend most of my time with women in their late 20s and 30s but I think there's such a space to educate young adults now to how to adult how to just be a be a person in the real world we just don't have the tools and the skills and all of a sudden we're just like cast out into our 20s and it's like hey go on go and live and it's it's hard it's not easy it's the shock to the system particularly as things are so different to how they were for our parents generation for us like the world is completely different and I think there's been like a lag in terms of how we've been educated to deal with the world that we live in because it's so changing so fast like technology wasn't like this before and it's got yeah. to a place where like everything is just crazy like we know, know. Can, we're like literally over consuming information for sure like I asked somebody like this whole thing even about people not reading it gets to me and it bothers me but it's like even when I sit down to read it's almost like a luxury it's like oh I actually have the time to do this because you're so yeah, consumed because... by so many other things and your our attention spans are terrible when's the last time you sat down to like really watch a really decent movie and like yeah with, without having your without having your phone <laughs> yeah actually you know I've really become aware of this recently and I agree like now I'm watching a series and like if it's too if it's too intense I'm like oh, I can't watch this because I need to be able to you know be on my phone and do something at the same time which is just awful but I've really started to use flight mode on my phone I don't know if you ever use it but it's really become a thing now where flight mode I'm trying to train my brain to be back in that place where I can actually do things it's really hard to Wi-Fi as well <laughs> yeah no I'm like not it's like oh wi-fi on <laughs> no no no. when I say flight mode I mean fully flight mode because obviously wi-fi no but yeah like I really feel like our attention spans have just gone so low and I think about when I studied at university which was I studied 2006 to 2009 and I think I remember having attention span problems then and being able to concentrate in a lecture but I still was there and I still wasn't I obviously we didn't don't, it was no Instagram, Facebook had just started, I didn't have a smartphone, I think it was like a, a Blackberry, like I can't remember. But, you know, even that was a push to concentrate in a lecture. So I can't imagine, and I don't sound like a grandma here, but I can't imagine today's generation sitting in lectures, especially on Zoom, right? Everyone's on Zoom right now, and having attention span and not being on their phones. Like it, people must just not know how to concentrate. It's tough. So it's like, how do you reel it back? Like, what do you do to reel it back and really stay present and be present? I've been practicing quite a bit of, like, mindfulness and meditation. That's really helped me to slow my pace a bit because it can get a bit much when you're always overly consuming all the time and everything's just on. It's like we always have to be switched on and it's tiring. I'm already I'm just like, we're winding up to the end of the year and it's like, yay, I'm tired, I get to rest. But then you're thinking about what's in store next year and it's just a never ending, this is adulting, right? It's like a never ending. Yeah, it's adulting. No, but I love that you brought up the meditation and mindfulness thing. And obviously I just mentioned about flight moding. I do think it's just so important to take care of your mental health in that way. Like I think this links to what we were speaking about doing the work is that we can't just sit back and just expect our mental health to be good. And we have to, in the world that we live in now, which is so 
like we said, social media and the never-ending demands around us, we have to take care of our mental health. We have to. And yeah, I think it's so important. I've even noticed stuff like movement, like just doing yoga for me has been a lifesaver this year. Just moving my body and getting that active because I noticed the shift in my mood. Like I can be so low mood. Like I needed to get out of the house today, like just to move around and see other people. (laughs) It was like, this year has just been crazy. It's been strange. So crazy. Yeah, I agree. I always advise people who are, especially if you're working from home, is like just go and see the daylight for even like 10 minutes. Like just go and walk down the street. People just think, oh, I'm just going to stay in and just relax. But it does change your mindset. 100%. It's just not a passive Um, thing at all. You have to be super active when it comes to your mental health. Good mental health isn't just going to land on your lap. Like it's like... Yeah, exactly, exactly. And lucky for for all of us, we have people like you who are speaking so openly about it uh, on your platform. So uh, it's been such fun having you on the podcast. So thank you so much for coming. And if you would just... Uh, share with the listeners where they can find out about late bloomers and your podcast and I'll also put it in the in the show notes as well awesome thank you so much for having me Emma and just creating this space like I love how like our values and vision are so aligned and so I know we'll definitely be connecting more in the future um, where everyone can find me and I guess the platform is at the late bloomers that's spelled dl 8 bloomers and then we have a website same spelling twitter same spelling we're on clubhouse too which is awesome same spelling and yeah where you can find me personally it's at menakez so m-e-n-a-k-e-z and i'm that on all platforms as well so i look forward to connecting with everyone in this community Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Mano. It's been so great. And I'll put all those details so everyone can have uh, see them and go and check you out. And yeah, exactly like you said, we obviously have such a shared mission. So it's been so fun having you on. I've got to have I'm you on s- my one as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely going to come on and we can carry on this amazing conversation. So thank you again. And I'll see everyone on the podcast next week. Bye.